everybody. Get ready for an informative episode from Parents' Rights in Education. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and I'm looking forward to our time together. I invite you to visit our website, parentsrightsined.com. Sign up to receive our news alerts. Like our Facebook page. So much information is shared on this page. Get up to speed with the latest national news. Join us. Join or form a Parents' Rights and Education affiliate chapter. Making your voice heard is always easier with others. Just grab a couple friends and you're there. We will help with training, information, branding, and contact referrals. Let's start a Facebook group for you. Submit the chapter inquiry form on our website, parentsrightsined.com. Hello, everybody. This is Suzanne Gallagher, Parents' Rights in Education. It is Friday morning, still morning here in Oregon, May 29th. And I just got off the phone with our uh, Parents' Rights in Education uh, chapter leader in Washington State. They are under fire. And uh, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the fact that this is a national issue. It's not just a statewide issue. But I also want you to understand uh, what, the, what the landscape looks like in both Oregon, Washington, and California. Uh, this may take a couple of podcasts to, to cover it all. But uh, strap in, hold on to your seats, uh, get ready for the ride. Okay, I'm going to start with... Um, something that I believe is critical. And that is the understanding that this is a national issue. There is a clear political agenda to destroy the traditional family in America, and it's facilitated by public schools. Never before have all parents been legally, seriously, legally separated, quote unquote, from their minor children by the government. Until now, the American family was considered to be the foundation of civic life, the smallest form of government, where children are taught responsibility, respect for authority, and national pride. No more. Here's the deal, people. In 2005, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found in Fields versus Palmdale School District, now this is in California, that the Meyer-Pierce right of parents to direct the upbringing of their children does not exist beyond the threshold of the school door. The court stated, quote, we conclude that the parents are possessed of no constitutional right to prevent the public schools from providing information on the subject of sexuality to their students in any form or manner they select, unquote. So although schools claim students can opt out of offensive curriculum, it has become more difficult because of the content uh, that is taught in every subject from health to history. So now let's, let's uh, divert from that just, a, just for a little bit and talk about this COVID crisis and what's actually happening in our local communities. Uh, we hear from parents um, all over, primarily, though, in Oregon and Washington, but also California. And th- what this crisis has done is it is it is woken a sleeping giant, literally woken a sleeping giant. The sleeping giant are parents. Our, the name of our organization is Parents' Rights. And finally, parents are realizing that their rights have been taken away. What the COVID crisis has uh, precipitated is now a new 
norm, what they call a new norm. I don't like that term. I want the old norm. I want the old norm where people have individual rights where they can decide what's best for them. But not so. Now the public schools will be mimicking uh, the CDC directives, such as uh, children wearing masks all day, separation of desks, even plastic around the desks, students eating lunch at their desk, students going out to play but they cannot play with other children, being isolated. This is not school. And parents have come to the decision, many parents, parents who would never have even considered anything else but sending their children to the public school that they have a right to have their child in, by the way. They have a right to send their child to public school, but, but because of, the, of what is going on in our public schools these days as far as curriculum is concerned, but now the COVID crisis, so-called crisis, has heightened that issue to the degree that parents are deciding, hey, uh, we've been uh, we've been doing school online for a couple of months now. Actually, they're not teaching our kids that much. And by the way, I think I can do a better job myself. Those parents are literally making a decision. You know, maybe I won't go back to my job. Maybe I'll work part time. Maybe I'll job share. Maybe I'll start a small business out of my home. Women have options. Okay. Most women have options. Many women don't. But even those who are single parents are considering uh, doing some sort of a co-op situation. Uh, when our kids were young, I belonged to a babysitting co-op. Uh, literally saved our family thousands of dollars. Our kids were either at somebody else's home or, they, or, or we had a house full of kids at our home. And, um, and it, it was fantastic. We are creative Ladies and gentlemen, we are creative. This is what makes America great, is our ability to pivot, our ability to, to change the narrative, essentially, for our families, because our children belong to us. Uh, yes, I'm on a rampage this morning, because as I said earlier, I just got off the phone with uh, our leader in Washington State. And they have an initiative, uh, it's a petition actually, to uh, overturn uh, an onerous law requiring K-12 through comprehensive sexuality education. Now, here's the bottom line. If they do not collect another 70,000 signatures, essentially, they're at about 101,000 right now. They need 130 their uh, validated signatures in order to, uh, in order to get this on the ballot. But... Let me check my notes. If they collect 160,000, that's only 50,000 more. If they collect another 60,000 signatures, that means that uh, the state will only random select uh, certain petitions. They'll only just randomly select them. So they're not going to go through them all, but they'll randomly, randomly select petitions, which gives them a greater chance of getting the uh, uh, 130 valid signatures that they need. So we're asking you to go to the um, Southwest Washington, that's SW Washington Parents' Rights in Education Facebook group page it's facebook group and uh, check out the information they have there about getting petitions helping them collect signatures we can do this we can do this we're at 101,000 we can get to the 160,000 needed 
So uh, I can't give you all that information, but go on to Facebook. You can also contact us um, on our website. We will pass that information on to Southwest Washington, and that's parentsrightsined.com. Uh, fill out the contact form and, um, you know, ask your question. Uh, also join us. I mean, that's another way of contacting us. If you just join us, sign up for our news alerts. We're getting ready to send out some pretty, uh, pretty amazing news alerts. So we'd like you to be on that list. Okay, so that's Southwest Washington. So what what um, Jennifer Heine Withy, who is our leader there, was telling me today is that she's hearing from parents who are literally deciding, um, moms in particular, uh, to you know to to make to make changes um, in their priorities. That's essentially what it comes down to: making changes in their priorities. That is happening in Oregon as well. Um, some parents do have the option of having their kids home anyway, um, and and that's what they're going to do. And actually, you know what's fascinating about this is I've been in this race um, to protect parents' rights for many years, actually since the early 90s when I first saw it coming. And we can decide. We can decide. This is our life, right? We can decide, well, maybe I'm going to put that, you know, that career on hold for a little while, or maybe I'm going to work with some other moms. I'm going to have a homeschooling co-op. I'm going to have a homeschooling co-op. I'm going to partner with other moms, other moms whose children were in my students' class, and, and we're going to do this differently. Um, maybe I'll start working from home. Maybe I'll job share, whatever it takes. Maybe, maybe I can put that career on hold for a few years. Because honestly, we do not need this government overreach. We don't need it. And we don't need to have our kids traumatized when they go to school, not, you know, having to wear a mask all day or whatever else that they're trying to do. Now, people will come to us and they'll say, hey, you know, what's happening in my school? You know what? That's your job. That's your job to contact your school. And, it, and you are way more effective than I am. You're way more effective because you have a dog in the fight. You have a child in the classroom. Contact the Department of Education in your state. Contact that Department of Education and say, you know, no mask, no mask, no enrollment. No mask, no enrollment. Nope. Uh-uh. We're not doing that. And you know what's going to happen to the public schools as a result? Hmm. They will not receive the funding as they usually do because they receive funding per child. Every day that that child is, is in a seat, at a desk, your school district receives funding. Now, for many years, I've been hearing from uh, an attorney friend of mine that, you know, that is really what's going to get their attention. Because obviously, obviously, they do not, they do not believe us. They don't pay any attention to us. They think that we, and I say we, I mean parents, that we are irrelevant. Well, guess what? We're not irrelevant. We're just not irrelevant. And we can keep our kids home. And that's what a lot of parents are deciding to do. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. I just want to, I want to, I want to leave you guys today. I want to leave you energized. I want to leave you empowered. I want to leave you understanding that this is, this is real and it's serious. Oh, and by the way, something else. It is political. It is political. I have heard from so many parents, uh, especially in the last, I want to say, six months to a year, 
that they just, you know, they didn't want to participate with parents' rights in education, where they thought that our approach of going to school board meetings and voicing, you know, our in defense of parents' rights, that that was, you know, combative or whatever. Well, actually, that is what politics is. Okay, if we don't stand up for our rights now, if we don't get involved in the process, if we don't get involved in um, politics, which which is not a dirty word, we are lucky in this country that we are political, that we do have a say, that we elect our representatives. And I remember asking a mom, oh, she was in, uh, she lives in the Hillsborough School District, um, and we were talking about the recent Hillsborough School Board meeting where. They voted in um, this comprehensive CSE once again. It's, it's a new curriculum in Oregon. Actually, we have had, we, we had CSE passed in the state of Oregon long before California. And of course, long before Washington State and most states, actually any state in the union. We were the first, Oregon, in 2009, we passed comprehensive sexuality education, mandatory, K through 12 in 2012, they amped it up. They, uh, they, they amped up the language. They literally laid the groundwork for complete, complete and total uh, comprehensive sexuality education, which, by the way, is not sex ed. Uh, comprehensive sexuality education is far, far beyond the sex ed that we used to know. So I'm going to uh, look up on our website. We have everything on our website here. It's it's really quite uh, it's quite complete. Most parents don't have time to go look at that. They don't want to dig around. They don't want to try to find the information. But um, it is available. So I'm just going to share with you just some of our thoughts regarding um, after you know the two, 2005 Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals did what they did. Um, but that was the entree. Now, remember that date because that's 2005. So in 2009 in the state of Oregon, we passed comprehensive sexuality education. Um, since then, these government school bureaucrats have managed to deceive families to believe that when they drop their children at the schoolhouse door, the parent-child relationship will be supported by teachers, counselors, administrators, and health care providers. Not so. Now, legislation passed throughout the states is designed to support minor rights, not parents' rights, in the name of equity and inclusion. Children are required to know and accept every form of sexual behavior, even those behaviors, even though those behaviors are dangerous and contrary to their parents' belief. So they have to know and accept. That's the key word, accept. You read the curriculum. Children are encouraged not to believe and follow the moral beliefs of their parents. Literally, don't believe that. This is the new norm. But to stand for their rights, quote unquote, to be and do what they want. Now, they're talking to 10-year-old children. Okay, sorry, really pretty much most of this part of the curriculum starts and not really sex. Because pregnancy is not an issue. Now, I'm going to read that again because I don't know if you quite caught that the first time. It is not uncommon for minor heterosexuals to engage in anal sex, believing it is safe. And of course, they've been taught that. And not really sex. They were taught that too. Because pregnancy is not an issue. 
Curriculums encourage students to access Planned Parenthood websites featuring videos and other content affirming their rights to engage in sexual behavior when they are ready, quote unquote, ready. Okay, I have children. I have eight grandchildren. And I'm telling you, they don't even know if they're if they're ready for for life until they're about 20. Okay? You know what I'm talking about here. Okay, so this is this is engaging in behavior that is dangerous to their health but can also uh, uh, result in the in procreation. Are they ready to parent? Of course not. Okay, and that they can they can do this they can they engage in this behavior with whomever they choose. I mean, it doesn't matter when they say whomever they choose, they are not even talking about age. Okay, so can, can I just insert something here because what pops into my head is this connection to pedophilia. People think we're nuts saying that that this is leading to that to the normalization of pedophilia. Actually, it is being promoted. And some people think that there's no that, that it's just another sexual orientation. Are you serious? You want some 25-year-old doing your, you know, doing your uh, 9-year-old girl? All right, moving on. Okay, that's sex trafficking. Okay, that's what that is. Okay, Advocates for Youth. Have you heard of Advocates for Youth? That is an arm of Planned Parenthood. The Advocates for Youth website sponsored by Planned Parenthood, encourages minors to, quote, join the movement. Join the movement. Oh, now now we're talking political. Mm -hmm. Advocating for what? Advocating for sexual freedom. Sexual freedom for minors. Go to their website, advocatesforyouth.org. Look it up for yourself. There's another website. It's called Amaze. I'm... At that website, there is a video, it's a video site, okay, for K through eight students. Now think about this, K, 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 what is K? Five years, five years old, K through eight students designed to appeal to prepubescence with messages encouraging them to, quote, be who you are, unquote. They're referring to change your sex, become lesbian, gay, or any other gender in between. That's what that is. Moving on, gender identity is taught beginning in kindergarten. Oh, you don't believe me? Oh, yes, it is. Yes, I talk to parents constantly. I, they're, they're constantly telling, yes, my, you know, my, my daughter in, uh, or my son in kindergarten came home the first week of school and said, Mommy, what's gender? My teacher says I can wear a dress. How dare they? How dare they? How could a five-year-old decide what they want? I mean, they could hardly decide what, the, what, what to put on their bodies, what to wear every morning. They forget to brush their teeth. They don't know, they don't know what they want. That's our role at that age. That's our role to guide, teach, lead our children. They don't have ex- life experiences they don't know what the world is. Okay, so the, so gender identity taught beginning in kindergarten. Again, how can a five-year-old decide what they want? An Oregon grade school, Stafford Elementary, hosted a coming out party for a third grade boy. 
Now that's about age eight. This third grade boy decided to identify as a girl. Parents were not notified their children were attending the party at a principal's office during school hours. So they, they threw a special party for this boy when, when uh, he came to school. It was in, held in the principal's office. I'll have more on that later, more of the details. It's, a, it's astonishing and alarming. It was so difficult to get teachers to even talk to us about it. Nobody would tell us what actually happened. We wrote the story. We, have enough, we had enough information to just, you know, blow, blow it out there. I will review that with you. Okay, here's another story. An Oregon 12-year-old middle school boy was contacted by another boy via the school email system to have anal sex in the boy's restroom during class. The relationship continued over the summer, resulting in victims' inability to control his bowels, which by law is considered sexual abuse. Actually, that is sexual abuse. It is illegal. And although the boy's doctor reported it to the state, after referral to the school's resource officer, complaints were dropped, claiming consent. Consent? Consent between two 11-year-olds? Having anal sex in the boy's restroom during class time? Students claiming to be transgender are honored in the public schools today. They're asked to announce their decision at school assemblies and have access to locker rooms, showers, restrooms of their choice. Teachers are required to monitor these facilities, observing opposite sex nude students. Now that would be illegal under any other circumstance. That's illegal. You can't, an adult cannot be observing a nude student of the opposite sex period okay overnight field trips and camps are required to accommodate gen oh by the way that did take place in oregon overnight field trips and camps are denied to accommodate gender identity of students and staff allowing them to sleep and use restroom facilities with those whose sex they identify oh yes that was in scapu school district in oregon School counselors are encouraging students to take steps to gender transition, facilitating their access to hormone therapies through Planned Parenthood, they're offered at Planned Parenthood clinics, and surgical services. Services. These are called services. They're, they're actually, you know, operations. In Oregon, very expensive, by the way, extremely expensive, probably more than a hip replacement. In Oregon, students as young as 15 may do so without parental knowledge or consent, of course, it is, and it is paid for by the state at age 15. How can, they, how can this be? This can't be happening. It can't be legal. We have to change that. Okay, school-based health clinics offer referrals to Planned Parenthood clinics for abortion. Oh, yeah, that's been going on for years. And this is all done without parental knowledge or consent. So the crisis that we have here is evident. And it appears that the only recourse available except repeal or challenge of bad legislation 
is to sue the schools, teachers, and administrators. Well, that's not the only thing. You know, we talked about parents keeping their kids out of school. But parents and students are fighting back because those who understand the Constitution know that it's not right. In Woodward, Oregon, Woodburn, uh, parents filed a million-dollar lawsuit accusing school district negligence, false imprisonment, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Their eight, eight-year-old son was held back from recess multiple times for one-on-one conversations with a teacher about his gender identity. Parents, of course, were not notified. Now, I'm going to make a statement here that, that I think you all probably will agree with, and that is this can be considered as a national emergency, wouldn't you say? Because it is going on all across the country. Probably one of the very first phone calls that I uh, received when I took this job about two years ago was from a mom in Iowa. Uh, actually, we, we met on our Facebook page. Uh, she found our page and she she messaged me. She also filled out the form on our website. And so we respond. We respond to parents. And um, I was just so um, impressed, not in a good way, but over, overwhelmed, impressed and overwhelmed by her story of how her second child, her daughter, who turned 18 January of her senior year, um, came out to her in a meeting with the council, the school counselor and announced that she uh, was going to be, she wanted to be, change her name and her sex in a 25 page letter that she handed to her mother at that meeting. Father was not invited. Uh, it was an ambush without question. It was an ambush by the public schools facilitated by the public schools. Public schools should be for everyone. Yet because of these policies, frustrated parents are compelled to keep their children home from school. Every day that goes by is a loss of good and appropriate educational instruction for our nation's children. This issue must be raised at the federal level. It is a national emergency for sure. Don't forget to register for the Northwest Safe Schools Summit. Featuring Walt Heyer, Heidi St. John, Todd Herman, Bernadette Broyles Esquire, and Rebecca Friedrichs. The date is Saturday, October 3rd, Shiloh Inn, Portland, Oregon Airport. Check out events on our website. Parents' Rights in Education is a tax-deductible, non-profit organization. We rely solely on your contributions. Help stop sexualization of our students in public schools. Together, we can do this. See you next time to learn more about parents' rights in education now.